Western United, can they find something here? Big chance for Richard. He's done it again. And it's a goal. Unbelievable. What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game. Sanchez. Western United do claim the three points. And Diamante again. Oh, he's done it twice. He's chipped a keeper. Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. It's grand final week here at the Green Room. It's very much, very much so, a very exciting time of the year, Lockie. It's the most exciting exciting time time of the year. year. Western United in the grand final, taking on Melbourne City on Saturday night at 7.45. We can't wait for it. We're going to preview it all here tonight on FNR Football Nation Radio. The Green Room brought to you by Simmons, the great Australian builder, Nick Dubano and Lockie Flanagan here. And Lockie, what a week it's been so far. Oh, I mean, wow. Like, what a game. What a game that was on Saturday night. I mean, I, I'm sure that the uh, I'm sure that all the boys internally knew that a result like that was possible. Knew that that was on the cards. But even even the most ardent of Western United fans might have had a little tiny bit of anxiety, like, oh, we've got one 0 down going into the second leg. Like, don't know what's going to happen. We want to book that spot. But oh, the boys just it was an 11 out of 10 performance, wasn't it? It was I, unbelievable start to finish. Oh, absolutely. Once uh, Alexander Prijevic op- well, opened the scoring in the second leg, tied it up. It got a bit nervous around half time after Jake Brimmer's free kick, but in the second half it was all one way and it just seemed like once Pereira got the second, it was only going to go in one direction. And in the end, Western United are there. They'll take on Melbourne City, a team that Western haven't lost against this year, Lockie. It's four straight going back to last year in terms of their undefeated streak against them. So we'll get into all that in just a moment. But first, joined by a bunch of special guests tonight, Lockie. And first, we've got Massimo Madoka joining us on Zoom. Massimo, welcome to the show. Great to have you on board. Uh, thank you for having me tonight, guys. Appreciate it. How's the week been so far? I mean, you've been through this as a player, but now being on the other side of it as a coach, I guess, take us through, I guess, your emotions and the whole experience so far. Yeah, I think as a player, it's a bit more nerve-wracking from memory uh, this week. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'm in a position where I can't do much more. Uh, the players are going to go out there in the end and perform. So from my perspective, I'm actually quite calm. I'm quite relaxed. Uh, everything's going as usual as we as we do. We go about our jobs and um, just make sure that everything uh, is in order for the players. So from my end, I'm all calm. I hope the players are too. I'm glad to hear your relaxed mass. I wonder what percentage of that that entire staff and playing group are at the moment ahead of such a big, big weekend. Obviously, yourself as a player, you've got a pretty decent pedigree when it comes to playing in A-League Grand Finals. You've won a couple of them yourself. What is it like for, for, for fans who are watching on who maybe haven't had that experience before? Um, well, obviously haven't had that experience before. They are fans. But um, what's it like to be a player on that day? What's going through your head as, as you get down, you know, getting ready to, to put on the boots and um, play one of the most important games that, that an A-League men's player can play? Yeah, I think, um, well, I guess you don't really enjoy it, to be fair, because you've you got a big job to do. You've got to win the game. Um, it's arguably probably the most important game uh, of the players' careers. So they'll be thinking, uh, how can we possibly win this game? Every little thing they'll be looking at, they'll be analysing with the coaches, they'll be analysing internally as uh, players themselves how they can perform to the best of their ability. So 
Uh, from my previous experience, it wasn't that enjoyable. It's, uh, it, there's a lot of pressure, uh, no doubt about that. And you've got one thing on your mind, and that's to win that game. So you can only really enjoy it after it. Um, and we certainly did back in my time at Brisbane when we won uh, our two. Um, but, yeah, leading up to it and, and during the game, um, very daunting and uh it's quite nerve-wracking and you've got to s- somehow calm yourself down and just do the business and play as usual as uh, the boys have done all year. It's interesting because you've got an interest, like a, a very big split in this squad of players who have a heap of experience, you know, have sort of not necessarily played in A-League Grand Finals specifically, but plenty of big games. And then you've also got quite that sort of younger core who are probably this weekend going into a, a first-ever grand final experience. I mean, we've got Nick Milanovic in the uh, in the waiting room at the moment, ready to step into the program later. H- have you had any of the sort of maybe younger, less experienced boys come up to you and say, uh, what's your advice for, for handling this week, handling this moment? Well, I think every grand final is different. Um, you know, when I played, we were the favourites um, going up against the underdogs and, um, I guess the, the only advice I could really give to anyone is that you've got to just go out there and go and enjoy the experience and and gain that experience yourself. Um, after our first one, that was my first one, um, you know, best experience of my life. And it, there was nothing that really anyone could have said to me that would have helped me, to be honest. You just got to, you got to go through it and you got to experience it yourself and you got to learn yourself. So uh, these boys will do the same, especially our younger players. They'll go out there, they'll try and soak it all up and walk away from the game, whether it's win or lose, um, gaining experience and knowledge from that experience and becoming better players for it. Well, Mass, I mean, take us through how you used to prepare for, I mean, such a big game. Was it all the same? Like you just prepare for it like any other game or was there specific things that you would do a little bit differently? Because, I mean, everyone prepares for a game differently and, you know, I mean, with the, the occasion that it is, did you alter anything? How did you used to handle the prep? Well, every game I used to eat a plate of pasta four hours before the game. I used to drink a shitload of Powerade the whole day through. Grand final day, um, had a plate of pasta four hours before the game and drank a shitload of Powerade. It was exactly the same, to be honest. Nothing changed. Uh, did everything exactly the same. And I think that's probably the most important thing uh, for us is to do everything exactly the same, uh, just treat it as a normal week. And, you know, John Elois has got an important job as the head coach to try and make it as normal as possible and take the pressure off the players. And, you know, at the moment he's doing a fantastic job of that. He's done a fantastic job of that all season. Uh, they've got, the players have got a great mentor in John. And um, this week uh, that's exactly been the message from him. So the players seem relaxed. Obviously, there's some nerves there, but um, they're looking pretty good to me. So I'm very happy with how the week's going, and I think we'll be ready. Well, obviously, as well, the the whole the whole week is quite different. I mean, it's it's everything's magnified. There's a lot more media. There's a lot more you know coverage. Everything just gets ramped up tenfold. Did you used to feel that at all as a player? That that bit of extra, I guess, excitement and pressure. Did it all? Did it, how'd you used to handle? I guess with it you know, not becoming overwhelming for yourself? Like, were there certain things that you used to do as well? Well, yeah, the interviews obviously ramp up. Uh, That's one thing that obviously ramps up in that final week. Um, You know, and there are things that you can't avoid. I think as a player, all you can do is, um, you know, try and control the things that they can control. So, 
you know, whether it's, um, you know, their prep before training, um, what they do during the day away from the club when they don't have interviews, um, just keeping everything normal. And then the things that they can't control, such as the media hype and interviews and things like, well, they just got to roll with it, um, get them done as quickly as possible and then get on with the day. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not easy. It's hard to, to juggle all that stuff, but I don't think there will be too many issues with the players with that stuff. So as a player, before a game, played a pastor, a shed load of Powerade. I'm going to say shed load. You can say what you like. Does that approach change at all as a coach? Are you going for the uh, the pastor and the Powerade combo heading into this Saturday or is it is it shuffle for you? And also just generally speaking, how have you found that transition from watching the games on the pitch, being involved and now sort of um, watching them from the from the sidelines on the bench? Yeah, I'm running a lot less these days, so the pass has definitely cut down. I'm not going <laughs> to lie about that. Um, no, but for me, it's just uh, I just live my life as a staff member, get up, have my breakfast, and then uh, think about what I've got to do for the players. So that's basically the biggest shift, really. Instead of thinking about myself, it's about thinking about them and what they need. So I guess that's the only major difference, really. Um, it's not about me anymore, and... Um, at the start, that was tough for me because, um, you know, as a player, you, you know, unfortunately, you have to be selfish. You got to be selfish. You want to win everything. You want to win every single game, and you got to make sure that everything's perfect for yourself. And along the way, you got to make sacrifices, whether that's you know avoiding family events and so forth. And you know, the players at the moment will definitely be going through that. You know, their partners will be making a lot of sacrifices for them, whether that be allowing them to sleep in separate rooms if they do have young ones running around, running amok or anything like that. Um, it is a bit of a selfish job in that way, but that's what it takes to, to get success. And, um, yeah, for me, it's all about doing whatever I can to help them this week and on the day. It's a big transition, a big adjustment going from having to be inwardly focused as a player to outwardly focused as a coach, like you mentioned. But, you know, that, that's probably been the biggest hurdle for you because other than that, I mean, in your playing days, you were very well known for having a high work rate, you know, plenty of ticker, lots of stamina. So I, I really can't think of a better role for you to be in than involved in a, in a strength and conditioning capacity uh, after football. You must, you must be perfectly suited to that sort of thing. Well, the fitness side of the game's always been uh, a passion of mine and, and, you know, one area that I've always been passionate about as a player and making sure that year in, year out, that I was at the top of my game in that area. Um, you know, I wasn't really renowned for uh, being technically gifted. Um, I was renowned for being a workhorse. And, you know, that took a lot of work, uh, a lot of discipline in my off-seasons and doing all the right things on and off the pitch. So um, at, in my role as a strength and conditioning coach, nothing changes. Um I just relay those messages to the players and I guess uh, I just hope that they take it all on board and, um, you know, I'm very certain, I'm very confident that the players have worked really hard in that area this year and it's um, it's been great to be assisting the leaders and see Andrew on the Nelly and, you know, we sort of balance each other well. He's um, He's got a wealth of knowledge in the conditioning space and strength space and then I bring in the football experience as well and, you know, we've got a great... A high performance team at the moment where we all complement each other in that in that way. So, 
Um, yeah, from a strength and conditioning point of view, I think the players are ready. Um, they looked really good last week. I was very pleased with what I saw with um, the players backing up game after game after consecutive days. And now that they've got the seven-day break, we'll be more than ready for this one. Mass, how did you prepare, I mean, for the players for that two-legged situation? It was three games in a week, really, going back to the Wellington game as well. Was there certain, I guess, how do you manage the loads, even with training and everything else? What what was sort of, I guess, the plan through that? Yeah, all you can really do is, um, you know, pull it back a bit from the volume point of view at training. So it's just play the game, recover, and then get ready to play again, really. So... You know, from a training perspective, it was probably more uh, that tactical focus more than anything. Uh, from a conditioning point of view, sort of just strip it all the way back. Uh, you have to. You can't. You can't train them hard during those periods. So um, you just wait for moments where you do get that seven-day break, eight-day break, where you try and ramp it up again and get that conditioning in. But last week there was none at all. Um, it was just all our recovery methods um, doing as any whatever we could possibly to help the players recover as quickly as possible. So it's uh, it's funny, those weeks you change your focus from absolutely slaughtering them on the pitch to, you know, sort of comforting them and making sure that they're, you know, recovering, whether it's ice baths, massage um, or whatever else uh, we use with the players. And Mass, I mean, is it bittersweet at all coming up against Melbourne City this week? You know, you spent two seasons there. You played alongside PK as well. Is that at all, you know, gone into the, the thinking at all this week? Oh, look, I, I've got a lot of respect for Melbourne City. I obviously appreciate the fact that I spent two years there and always grateful uh, for, you know, first and foremost, them accepting me as a player all those years ago back in 2013 and um, ending my time there in 2015. So, you know, seeing that whole transition from heart to city and seeing where the club is today, um, I certainly feel uh, honoured that I was a part of that journey, uh, even though it was a little part of it. Um, and now it's just uh, coming up against them again. Uh, it's honestly just playing against like any other team. You know, for me, it's not it's not me going out there. It's um, just me supporting a bunch of athletes. Um, you know, right now I'm at Wesley United and I hope to be here for many, many more years to come. Um, but who knows what the future holds. I could be in a completely different sport eventually or at another A-League club or whatever it may be. So, you know, right now it's about supporting Wesley United. Uh, back then, I was passionate for Melbourne City. So it just comes down to where you are at that particular point in time. Right now, I'm a passionate Western United supporter and I'll do everything I can to make sure that they win the game on the weekend. Well, Mass, if there's one player that, I'd back in based on their their playing experience to to get a group of players uh, get their bodies ready and fit and fighting for a big game. It's uh, you, you're definitely right up there in the conversation, maybe at the very top as well. But before we let you go, I've got uh, one more question to ask you, and it's been submitted by one of our uh, our green room informants, a, a source from inside the club. We've been told to ask you about your boots. Can you tell us a little bit about that? My boots. Yeah, maybe well, the there's a special are... pair at training or something like that. Yeah, the boots. Well, the boots I'm wearing at the moment, I've been wearing them for a couple of weeks. They were the boots that I wore in my grand final, actually. So uh, I wore them in our second grand final at Brisbane Raw. Um, so who knows? Maybe that was uh, the lucky gem <laughs> uh, floating around the joint. But um, 
yeah, honestly, when I put them on for the first time a couple of weeks ago, it did bring back some memories, um, had a little smile and just got on with business as usual. So uh, now they're just like any other pair of boots. They're starting to break apart. I had to glue the Nike ticks on a few times already. <laughs> had to glue them on twice now. Um, I can't part with them at the moment, but yeah, I think once uh, this game's done on the weekend, I'll probably have to part with them and bring a new brand new pair next year. Well, fantastic, Mass. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us here on The Green Room. Um, good luck. It's going to be a big occasion, and uh, hopefully West United can come away with the win. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot, boys. Appreciate it. That was Massimo Madoka joining us here on The Green Room. Lockie, we'll take a quick break here. On the other side of this, we've got Nicholas Milanovic joining us in studio. We've also got Steve Horvat coming up a little bit later on yeah. Zoom and plenty, plenty more. So don't go happening. anywhere. Don't go anywhere here on this grand final edition of The Green Room brought to you by Simmons. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Barrios, his first touch of the game! Sanchez! Western United do claim the three points! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Green Room here on FNR, Football Nation Radio. It's a grand final edition. We're three days out, getting the, the maths correct there. Three days out now from the grand final. This show brought to you by Simmons, the great Australia builder. Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan here tonight. We had Mass Madocker on a little bit earlier in the show, so if you missed that, we'll get that up on all your favourite podcast platforms. You can catch up with that entire interview there. But now we're joined in studio here by a very special guest, Nick Milanovic. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, how's this week been so far, mate? Obviously, so the biggest week of your career so far. You know, yeah, I mean, so much going on. Take us through it all. Yeah, no, it's been a good week. It's been um, a bit tense, but it's um, everyone's trying to keep calm and just continue as business as usual, like go around the training field as, as we do all season. So, yeah, no, it's been good to celebrate, but that's we move on from that now and focus on Saturday. Has there been a particular message from John that's that's come out during the week? Is there something he's said to you that, that's really stuck with, with the playing group? Um, no, nah, the boss has been good. He's been keeping us calm keeping us level-headed since since Saturday against um, Victory. Um, now the message is the same. Just stick to our structures and do the things that we do best, and, yeah, hopefully we can get the result. Yeah, take us through last Saturday. I mean, it was an unbelievable game. The The whole 90 minutes, obviously, you went in one goal down, then you went into halftime one goal down after, you know, getting back into the game. What was the last 45 minutes like in particular? Because it just seemed like, you know, Every everything possible that could happen, you know, just happened in that period of time, and you guys were able to come away with the win in the end. Yeah, well, the first game we were, I felt a bit unlucky, um, but no, the message was the same going into the second game. It was just again sticking to our to our structures, our patterns, and and we were confident that we could get goals. Um, we got that first, and, and we we're really confident. And you could see after they got the the free kick that no one really panicked. Everyone was just level-headed, stayed with each other. And, um, yeah, we went into half time, and it was just everyone was calm. No one was panicking. And, yeah, we just come out and just turned it on. It was it was great to watch from the sidelines. 
Well, a big part, you know, you said you believed you could get goals in the squad and someone who was critical to doing that on the day was, of course, Alex Prejevic. Yeah. It was an unbelievable performance from the big man. The way he sort of, and he's been doing that all season, obviously the scoring of goals is what m- most people have sort of had their eye drawn to. But those um, those laydowns for people who are making runs yeah. in and around the box is also something he's been doing all season. We saw him do it for Lockie. I mean, as an a, attacking midfielder yourself, you must love being able to, you know, play with a player like that who, you know, can can set you up just as easily as, uh, as you can maybe set him up as well. Yeah, he's... Uh He's been unbelievable for us, especially that last game. You could just see he was causing them so much problems. Even running in behind was causing problems for them. So, yeah, you could see as well with that lucky goal, it was just it was a tough ball. It was a good ball from Killer, but the way he just put it perfect for Lockie to score, it was, yeah, that's that's what you want your number nine to do really is score and assist, and, yeah, he's done that. Take us through this season for yourself. I mean, last year, you know, and the season before you got some minutes, but this season there was a period where you started to get some games. You scored yeah. against MacArthur and then you got injured. I guess take us through your whole campaign. Has it been frustrating at all in bits or have you? how have you felt, I guess, throughout this whole, whole time? This year for me, obviously, it's been it's been progressive since the last yeah. the last two. But, um, yeah, no, nah, since since coming, since uh, the boss coming in, he's been really helpful. Um, he's given me the confidence to to come on and do my job and yeah obviously it gets frustrating at times being on the bench you want to get out there and help but um no he's, he's always he's always in training helping him and foxy and johnny always getting us ready for when we are called on and have to do a job so yeah he's he's put his trust in me against macarthur and i felt like i paid that back a little bit mm. but yeah no it's um it's been good he's been good he's been helpful and yeah he's you just have to wait until you get caught on yeah well, the last time we did have you on was right after that MacArthur game where you yeah. did grab the goal in your first start. And you, you were speaking that time around about the sort of um, pre-match chat that the Dia had with you saying, like, you sort of believe you yeah. and you, you can do this. Is, is there a particular player over the stretch of the season that has maybe, you know, one of the older boys that's had the sort of biggest influence on you and, and what you've learned this season? Is it is it Dia? Um, well, yeah, Dia is definitely one of them. Um, I think I think a lot of the time when you... When you're getting around the boys before the game, it's always it sticks with you that some players tell you, like, be ready, you're going to come on. Like, there's a few. Like, um, always, uh, I'll give Walesy a mention as well. He's always pumping up the boys on the bench, get ready to go, because obviously he's been in those shoes as well. Um, yeah, Lockie, I, I, honestly, a lot of them, like, they, they mm. tell you to pump up to come on. Like, Youngy, Topper, Rizzo, they're always... They're always up and about and getting you ready for when you have to come on. It seems like there's a really good vibe around the group right yeah. now as well. It feels like this season in particular, you know, me and a few other guys were down there yesterday. We saw you guys for the team photo shoot. Great vibes all around. Seems yeah. like you guys are all on the same page and pulling together. Have you noticed that more in particular this season? Yeah, definitely. I think um, we had a bit of a, obviously, a reshuffle with the, with the management and a few players coming in, a few players going out. But, no, this year the, the vibe has been like really 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 good and I think you can you can see it you can see it on the field it, it um you can see everyone just understand each other and you see when we celebrate in the change room no one's lucking around no one's frustrated like the boys are as happy playing and scoring than the ones that aren't so you can see the vibes really really good yeah 
And uh, just in terms of, of Dia, I mean, he's been on the touchline. It's been a very frustrating few months for him, obviously, with his knee injury. But yeah. it's considering you guys both play in the same position and, you know, his wisdom. And we see he's still all the time, you know, yeah. in the in amongst it. He wants to be part of it. He's doing what he can. Do you feel as if that you can gravitate a bit more towards him, giving that bit of extra advice? Because you two both play that same yeah. role. What, what has he sort of passed on for you in that sense? Um, well, ever since I moved here, he's been here. So you, you just watch him and admire what he does in the field. So, um. Yeah, he's always positive, as you can see on his Instagram and his, his, <laughs> his social media. He's yeah. always laughing and he's about... But, yeah, he could easily now, with his injury that he's had for a while, be moping around. And But, no, nah, he's been unbelievable with the boys. He's come around us. He's he's pumped us up before games, after games. You can see the celebrations after victory. He was the first one on the field. So, um, yeah. yeah, you can you can see he's pumping us up about. And I take, I take from that as well. So, yeah. I mean, nothing sort of sums that up better than somehow in the the post-match videos we saw Dia, who wasn't playing, didn't have the match kit on, somehow ended up being one of the first people with his shirt off. How that happens, I don't know. But I think, I think he was I'm just not... sweating. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. But I'm not complaining about it at all. Um, and I'm glad we bring up the, the sort of post-match celebrations and discussions because you've talked about how the, the camaraderie of this group has been a big a big driver, a big motivator. But one of the other things, and we, we saw it in the sort of um, post-match speech that John gave, was that sort of um, feeling like a lot of people maybe outside of the club didn't back you to sort of get this sort of result. I mean, he said something like, you know, at the start of the year, no one no one thought we were capable of this. That must be a massive driver for you, not just over the course of this season, but especially this Saturday yeah. to, to prove all those people wrong. Yeah, well, yeah, you could see at the start of the season a lot of people wrote us off and didn't really expect to see us even challenging for the for the title. Um, but yeah, you can obviously we we knew we could do it from the start. Um, but yeah, you could you could see with um, other people's social media and and tweets from experts and and other other stuff around at the start of the year as well mm. that that maybe it wasn't possible for us to do what we have done. So yeah, he put it to a T the boss like no one really understood that in that room we could actually do it so yeah hopefully one more and that's that's it that's puts the icing on it take us inside the inner sanctum because every week we've obviously had a player on and they've spoken a lot about your away trips and about these card yeah. games yeah. I mean we had Lockie Wells bring it up we've spoken to Ben Garuccio Ryan Scott the lot and they've all brought up they've thrown everyone under the bus here yeah. but this is now your chance to respond um Take us through, I guess, from your point of view about all these card games, everything else that's going on at the moment. Well, we have a few, we have a few card games we play, but it's always those same people lurking around and playing. So, yeah, you'd you'd have me, you'd have Scotty, Wowsy, um, Painy at times, um, Benny Barrel Collins, um, Topper would come in as well, um, Chris, the Iris, Jerry, but yeah, you'd have always. But when it comes down to and Benny comes down to like late nights nitty gritty. It's it's the same people, but um, yeah, I'd like to say I get myself well around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's been throwing Ben Collins under the buses yeah, without the um, poker face. It he's took just... him a, it took him a while to get it. <laughs> we, we, were, we were away for a long time, and he I reckon he got it the last day. Jesus, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you you were obviously outed by a few people on this show as, as yeah. being a, a a loser of a, a couple of those games. I mean, do you, do you think that the stick that you've gotten has been a little bit unfair from from the yeah, people definitely. who have come on here and, and thrown you on the the bus? I mean, the types of uh, Lockie Wales and Ben Grucho. How, how did you – they had plenty to say about your performance. How did you rate their games? Um, well, I'd like to say I won most of them. Um, but 
I think Lockie Wales, he, uh, he loses and he's out. So he's, he's a bit of a sore loser. Um, yeah, Benny Garuccio, he's, uh, he's, he's a good dealer, but he's not a good player. So, um, yeah, you have, you have Scotty as well. Scotty gets by well, but um, even, even um, Tamaki sometimes when we play poker, he's, he's, um, he's good, but he, he's not the best when he loses. Yeah. Wow, so, I would um, not have picked that. Yeah. Tamaki as a as a poker player. I mean, I guess he's he's you know quiet. He yeah. maybe doesn't has that good poker honest, face. Honest player, yeah. but to be a sore loser, I would never have in a million yeah, years picked that one out. He's he's not really a sore loser, but he's just um, doesn't like paying up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but um, even even Dylan Wenzel Halls, he's not. Um, you can get deal to bite easy with anything. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, he doesn't have the greatest poker face. He has something good. He, he starts smiling, so you can pick it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you, you've been given the chance to come on and respond to that some of some of that criticism. But I I think you're ready to come onto this program and, and go one step further and maybe you know put the heat back on a few other people as you've been doing so far. I want to give you another opportunity to do it. We had the uh, team photos yesterday. Yeah. The whole squad getting their grand final photos. Obviously, everyone's trying to look nice and prim and proper, all wearing the same uh, same uniform. Was obvious. But was there someone in particular who maybe spent a little bit too long getting themselves ready, getting the hair done, that kind of thing? Um, was there someone who, who didn't look as good as, as maybe you expected? It's not really a dig, but Scotty done his hair up really well. <laughs> I actually never, noticed that. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. notice that uh, as well. Yeah, he um, was flicking them back and pulling the wings out. So, yeah, <laughs> he, um, he looks good. No, he looks good. No one really took much time doing their hair, nah. You got Alex... Flicking his long hair, yeah, he can uh, afford to do that. Yeah, yeah, but but you got nah, no one was really taking much time on. Okay, what what about your your housemate Jerry Scatardis? You guys have obviously got a a very close connection for obvious reasons, but living together, playing together is one thing. Living together is a very different thing altogether. Is is there a thing that I'm sure there's plenty of great things about living with Jerry? Yeah, is there one thing about living with him that that just drives you nuts? No, nah, it's me and Jerry are very love hate relationship. <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, we get um we get up each other about things around the house definitely, but um, we all play PlayStation together, so yeah, you have yeah you have uh, our group on the PlayStation, but that sometimes comes further than the PlayStation, <laughs> and we're a bit moping around around the house and we, and we won't speak to each other, but um. Nah, Jerry's good to live with, yeah. Well, Nick, unfortunately, we've got to let you go. Run out of time. But thank you so much for joining us. Good luck for Saturday. Hopefully a, a positive result to come out of this. There's so much on the line. It's a big game. And um, hopefully, you know, in a, by the time we roll around to Sunday, you know, you guys are champions. Yeah, hope so. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, pleasure. Well, we'll take a quick break here on The Green Room. Come back with plenty more just after this. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again. And it's a goal. Unbelievable. What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game. Sanchez. Western United do claim the three points. And Diamante again. Oh, he's done it twice. He's chipped the keeper. Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Green Room here on FNR Football Nation Radio, brought to you by Simmons, the great Australian builder, Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan here. It's grand final week. It's excitement in the air right now. You can feel it all around I mean, the you club. Could, you, you, I think we got some second-hand grand final excitement just by standing next to, to Nick Milanovic. Nick Milanovic like you could yeah. tell he was buzzing. I think that's drifted on over to us. 
hopefully we can uh, transfer it across uh, the internet as well to, to Steve Horvat. Hopefully it comes back the other way too. No, absolutely. Well, we are now joined by Western United Director of Football, Steve Horvat. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, exciting week. Um, yeah, looking forward to Saturday night, that's for sure. Steve, take us through the week so far. I mean, ever since Saturday, it's it's just been crazy. You know, all the excitement that came out of that second leg leading into today. You know, we had team photo day yesterday and now we're only three days away from the big day. Yeah, look, the boys the boys had a had a day off today. They're really focused, I guess, over the last few days about freshening up. You know, we did have three games in a, in a week, uh, you know, leading into, into this week. So it was good to, to freshen them up and, uh, you know, they'll have a good solid couple of days uh, training and then onto the big one Saturday. But yeah, you know, seeing the boys there yesterday training and the photo shoot, um, you could tell there's a real buzz around the group. They just can't wait for Saturday. Well, Steve, I, I, we asked Milo a, a sort of similar question before, but I, I want to go back to the the last time we had you on this program, which was, right after the opening weekend, which, of course, the 1-0 loss to victory. Funny, perfect timing to have you back on next time uh, <laughs> Next time victory come around. But there was there was a lot of really positive um, things to take out of that game at the time, but obviously loss on the opening day, never what you want. Did you think even then that this was going to be the outcome? This is where Western were heading for, for the big dance, the final game mm-hmm. of the season. Look, it's hard to know. You know, if you asked me that question at the end of last season, I would have said uh, you're crazy. But, you know, there was a lot of work that was done in the off-season, you know, namely, you know, the work put in in recruiting the right head coach for us moving forward, plus some restructuring around the football department. And, you know, sport has a way of revealing itself. You know, if you do the work... Um, you get the results, you know. So the amount of work that's been put in, and you're right, you know, that first game was disappointing, but I saw enough in that game to realise that, you know, this is this is going to be a tough, tough team to break mm-hmm. down. I think victory was probably their only chance and it was off a corner and we were probably a little bit lazy in defending uh, that set piece. But, you know, they, they really didn't expose us much at all in that game. And, you know... Uh, you know, probably the first half of the season defensively we were incredible. So, um, you know, uh, I, I guess, you know, you can never know how a season plays out, especially, you know, you're asking in reference to that first game. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of adversity. There's been injuries, um, off-field, you know, issues. Um, and, and I think the group has handled it just extraordinarily well. Yeah, I mean, and and fast forward to, to now, I mean, to put four past a victory team who you've just praised for their sort of, defensive now this season has has did anyone even do that this season I, I i don't think i don't think they did so that is a remarkable remarkable achievement you mentioned the amount of work that went in in the off season to picking out the right coach and you were obviously also involved in the the committee that had a say on uh, on transfers as well and brought um picked out which players to bring into this side given we've just come off the back of a weekend where one such player in alex Prijevic has played such a big role in getting the team into the grand final, do you, do you give yourself a little a little pat on the back for the way all these signings have uh, have panned out? Because it seems like I went through the list before. It seems like a, most of them, if not all, have been a smash hit. The new faces at the club this year. Yeah, look, it's it's a team effort. It, look, it, these things it takes a village, you know, to mm. to get to where we are as a football club. And you know, it was it's a really good committee that we have looking at these sort of players and these sort of things. And you know, you never get them 
always right. Um, but if you get the majority of them correct, it usually sets you up for a good season. And we knew that the players came in late to the squad, so they missed a chunk of the preseason. So, you know, John and I were always talking throughout that first probably month of the season to say, look, if we can pick up points um, through this period until the likes of, of Leo and, and and Alex, you know, get to their full fitness, then we're going to stand good stead in, uh, in, the, in towards the end of the season. And, you know, it's it's been testament to the way they've worked to get their bodies right and, uh, yeah, bring on Saturday. Steve, going right back to the start here, I mean, it's only three years ago where this club hadn't even played a game of football before. And obviously you've been there from day dot going back before Western United even had a name. I mean, seeing where it's gone from, from the expansion bid, to now where you are it's 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 a i think that for off the top of my head bar the top the first eight a league teams you're you're have the chance to be win a championship in the shortest amount of time obviously the wanderers didn't get it done but there's that opportunity do you ever pinch yourself sometimes and go like wow like we've done this so quickly like you never could have seen this coming it it actually really hit home when that fourth goal went in the other (laughs) night i remember sitting and standing on the sideline and my wife was just literally filming me from the side and, and, and not knowing. And the fourth goal went in and I started crying like a little baby. It was the emotions were unlike, you know, I mean, it's different when you're a player, um, but when there's been so much time and effort invested into what we're trying to build at this football club and to see that, you know, opportunity now arise by qualifying for a final, it was a little bit too much for this old guy, and uh, there was there were a few tears shed. Uh, I think Jason, our chairman, was shedding tears, and uh, yeah, we're just all big softies. But you know, uh, incredible. You know, everyone goes into a season looking to play on the last weekend uh, of the year, um, and it doesn't happen too often. You know, um, we're going to ha- try and you know, season one, we were one game away from a, from a grand final. Now we're in a grand final, and. I know being a player as well, you know, sometimes you mainly only get one opportunity in your career to play in a grand final. So I'm sure the boys are really going to make the most of it this Saturday night. Steve mentioned in grand finals, you've played in one and you've been best on ground in one as well. I mean, how did you used to prepare for these, these big games? Because it's not like this is your first rodeo either. Yeah, it's not. I guess it's, it's hard not to get carried away in the emotion of the week. And, and that's what I, try to tell everybody I come across, whether it's the playing group or the coaching staff. And, you know, we've got, you know, coaches that have been there and done that in grand finals. So it, it's not new to them, but, you know, just trying to enjoy it and and be as, as calm as possible. And, and even though it's difficult to treat it as a, another game, because if we do that, you know, it was sort of like the discussion, you know, John and I had prior to the second leg of, of the semifinal. There's not a lot that we needed to change uh, in that game. We needed to keep defensively sharp, not concede, and we'd be in the game until the 95th minute. Now, you don't know how a game is going to play out. Obviously, we scored, they scored, so the dynamics of the game changed. But, um, you know, as, as a player, I guess it's just really important to, um, to savour these experiences because, like I said, you don't know when your next one is coming. Well, coming towards that 95th minute, right before it, in fact, the fourth goal did go in, we, we have heard your reaction to what happened. I'm probably sure there were in the uh, the Western designated bays at Amy Park, there were maybe even a few tears shed there as well. I mean, what a great noise they made during this game, really bringing it to the victory fans and, 
and what a massive opportunity it is for the people who have bought into the club to, to be able to get out there in their numbers this Saturday and, and potentially have Western end the season as the best club in Victoria. Yeah, look, it's, um, I actually did an interview with the A-League website and going back to the beginning, it's, it's quite incredible to go over to the active as we did after the game. And I see some of the faces there that were there even mm. before we had a licence, when we had these community forums out, out in the West. And you see some of those same faces and what it means to them. It's, there's nothing better. There's no better feeling for us as you know, people who are custodians of this club at the moment to bring that joy to the fans. It's uh, it's something special. Well, Steve, uh, that's all we've got time for tonight. Obviously, big week, three more days. I mean, it's, it's going to be massive on Saturday night. Good luck. Hopefully all this hard work, all the effort comes away with some sort of silverware at the end of it. And uh, I'm sure we'll chat again with you soon. So good luck. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. As football director Steve Horvat joining us here on the green room, Lockie, the excitement. You, as we said, we spoke about Nick Milanovic. Now you can feel it coming from Steve as well. It's it's going to be massive on Saturday. Well, I know, and I think obviously Steve's wife had a camera trained on him when the fourth goal went in during the semi final. I think maybe we need to need to expand that. Need to need to get the Steve cam going for for the grand <laughs> final. We already promised that for Nikolai Topol Stanley to have the topper cam for the semi. I don't know whether that happened or not, but uh, this is de- definitely something we should go after. Maybe even get a. A camera on Chris Pelavanis as well. You know, well. we need like he is a he is a character. He will produce something win, lose, or or draw. We need one for like the the, the player absences base. So you can have Dia, Top, or Renee. I reckon you have one in the uh, in the corporate section with uh, Jason and Chris. Then you have one on Steve as well if his pitch side. You just strap a GoPro and uh, go full Ben Foster style with it, and we'll see what happens. I would love to. I would love to see that. I mean, whatever's whatever's going to happen, there will be some some great great memories coming out of this yeah. for players, but also for fans. And no, we're going to get an inside word from one of them very soon. Yes, we'll be joined on the other side by this uh, outside of this by Brooke Musket, who'll be joining us. Can't wait to hear the fans' point of view, Lockie. It was a very very exciting night for them in that little pocket of Amy, but now they have a chance to take over Amy against Melbourne City this weekend. So we'll chat to Brooke on the other side of this here on the green room. Don't go anywhere. Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. We're only just about three days exactly, about 72 hours, just under that, until kickoff for Saturday's grand final. Western United versus Melbourne City. It's becoming more and more real with every passing day. We've spoken to so many people involved with the club. We've spoken to Masma Madoka, Nicholas Milanovic, Steve Horvat. You can feel the excitement. We've got our, you know, media media friend out here, Nick Hughes, is uh, telling us all about. He's you already, feel the excitement from him as well. He's already shaking with nerves. He, he, oh, he walked in and it was just, 
I, I, I saw him downstairs. Almost. He had his food, and I was thinking, mate, you got to settle, otherwise you're going to spill your food everywhere. Just you know, steady up. Well, I should bit. mention, Nick, it's not the only important Western United uh, final happening this weekend. Uh, over in the A League as well, Dylan Campbell he's um, through to the finals. If he wins on Saturday, he's one win away from playing in the grand final. So he's the number one seed. He's finished top of his group. So we could be talking about a double Western United grand final weekend. Oh, two trophies. Massive. One virtual and one physical trophy. Did well, I mean, you would get a physical trophy as well. Did you surely get a physical trophy for no, the there, there like is you'd have to. There, but there will be, okay, so there'll be a virtual trophy in the game. There'll be a real trophy for Dylan if he's able to uh, emerge victorious if he gets into the grand final. Again, one win away. and then So two more wins for him and one win for the A-League men's side. We could be talking about three trophies. Three. Two real trophies. And one and a virtual, virtual trophy one as well. And then hopefully next season we can have the... Now, I remember in seasons gone by, Sydney FC were very happy about that. They would have called that a, a treble. They would have. I think Western United should just call it a treble anyway because why not? Exactly. <laughs> just why not? That. Claim I'm it. I'm on board with that. Claim it. I'll talk to Lucy afterwards and tell her, get that up and going for the PR campaign. But anyways, uh, Lockie, we mentioned before the fans were in great voice on Saturday night in the little pocket at Amy, but this week they have the chance again to take over Amy Park up against the reigning champions at Melbourne City. We've got Brooke Musket, who was there on Saturday night. I'm sure, Brooke, you're going to be there again on Saturday. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And, yes, booked my tickets at, I reckon, 11.01, like straight away. I was there. I was at work, turned on the computer, got front row in the active. I'm stoked. Well, take us through last Saturday, Brooke. It was a crazy, crazy game. It's like nothing I've ever been a part of before. It was insane. I think I think John Aloisi's words summed it up the best that no one except people at Western United believed uh, that we could do this. And I think all the fans came in with positivity. You know, one nil downs, nothing. We knew the boys played well on the Tuesday, and I mean, Saturday was a dream come true, really. And so many people were, you know, of the Western United supporters that were there on the day were in those two bays side by side, not just the actives, but many other people who were yeah. getting involved in that active area too. Do you th- feel like that made a really big impact, not just on how you guys enjoyed the game, how you experienced the game, but also the players as well? Because like I was saying to Steve, the the noise that you guys were making from those two bays, it, you guys were, were putting up a very, very competitive showing against uh, Victory, who are known and revered for their active end. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was phenomenal. Like getting all the families involved, I think is a big one too. We're a big family club. We got a lot of members who are families. Um, so to see all the kids get involved, uh, some of those families as well, just their parents getting up and about with the kids. Like it was just a really good vibe. You know, the active were nice and strong, nice and loud. And then just seeing everyone come together and just get behind the team was huge. And I think the players feel it. The players definitely, you know, they feel the atmosphere of victory that made as well. But when you see that your own fans are up and about and all standing, I think by that end of the game, um, like that 90th minute onwards, every single person in our base was standing up. And it's like, we haven't had that all year. Um, But it was friggin' awesome. And I really hope we can bring that again this week. We've got good news that I believe Bay 38 is sold out. So our bay should be nice and full, which is awesome. So fingers crossed we can bring that again. Hopefully all the families get involved again because it was just so awesome just to see, you know, people of all different age groups just going at it. It was awesome. Did it feel sweeter that, you know, you got one over Victory as well? I mean, you knocked one off and Victory are <laughs> technically the biggest club in the land, but you have an opportunity to knock off yeah. City and really not only claim to be the biggest te- well, the biggest team this season, the most successful team, Victoria, this season, but the most successful team in the land. 
Yeah, like I think it's it's a big thing. Like seeing the headlines of an all Victorian final without victory is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like our team, everyone that's a part of Western United, just believe. We all believe that we're a part of something special, and we're all go- like we're all on the same page. We're all really there for it, and. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, in a couple of years' time that we're just as big and doing just as well because, like I said, everyone here who is behind Western United believe in Western United, and I think that's what sets us apart. Well, I've got to ask, Brooke, because this was, was one yeah. of the things that, that came across our minds when we, we saw your, your full name on, on the guest list. Obviously, <laughs> Musket, it's, it's a surname that is very, very yes. synonymous with with Melbourne Victory, what's your your history and your association with the Western United? Was there ever a time where you you danced with the other Musket of Victory? What, what's your association <laughs> with the club been like? How did you fall in love with it? Well, I mean, to start off, my mum actually worked with Kevin Musket's dad, so we still oh. know him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so th- there's a bit of that too. But now, for me, I'm just a Western Suburbs kind of gal. Like I've worked here been raised here it's just all I am and when I first heard about I think it was originally the Victoria Patriots bid that tried to get into the A-League a long while ago I was all about that I was like yeah sick you know a team from the west that's awesome that didn't go through and then as soon as I saw the updates starting to turn into the West Western Melbourne group I just got excited got around it and I was just like you know this is it I I will admit you know uh, as a kid I was going to A-League games a big football fan in general um Obviously, back then it was victory. You know, when I was younger, that was the only team around. So I'd be going to go to games. But when I got old enough and kind of, I guess, lost interest in football for a bit, just for personal injuries when I was playing, um, yeah, just kind of lost the love for it. And like I said, Western United came about and I was just hooked. I don't know why, just there was something about it. It was ambitious, uh, local to me. I'm like 10 minutes from where the ground's going to be. Mm. So it just kind of reignited that spark for me and I haven't looked back since. Well, I can imagine like that that must be a, an, an easy way to, to see the light, so to speak, is to the option of, of representing a club that actually represents where you're from, from rather than just a sort of generic team who stands for everyone. You know, to be part of that West is a, is a massive, massive deal. And to that end, because you've had to put up the Western fans with, with quite a lot of um, – trouble and, and pain from your noisy neighbours throughout your years in the competition what would it mean to end at the full time whistle be it after extra time or penalties or in regular let's time let's hope it Who doesn't knows? go to penalties well, for, Brooke's heart rate, <laughs> yeah, let's let's ho- for Brooke's heart rate let's hope it doesn't but what would it mean to get to the end of that and as Nick said emerge as the best team in Victoria to take out that inaugural grand final and to say you can were there, you were there, what would that mean? Yeah well, I mean, I was kind of saying that after the semi anyway. Like, I think I was one of the last ones out of the bay and I was just kind of standing looking mm. at Amy Park and thinking, next week, we're going to be back here. And it was it was mind-blowing. Um, but look, if we get the job done, it'll be something we rem- remember forever. Like, I, I'm going to remember the semi-final forever. Anything from here is a bonus. And I'm just proud of the club. It would be amazing to walk away with that toilet seat. But we've got to ask before we let you go, is that an Ike Guadalcena jersey? On your left shoulder. <laughs> yeah, so that one there is. Uh, it wasn't one of his. I wish it was one of his, but I did buy that with his number and he signed yeah. it for me. The two Ryan Scott ones are his. And um, that's uh, Luke. So I got wow. Ryan Scott first season and second season. And then I've got uh, Giselle FFA Cup one. So two that's Ryan a Ryan Scott's. That, that is incredible. I don't know if you saw uh, one, one of our fellow Western United fans, uh, Ben Jorgensen, who joined us last week. Yeah. I was full of a lot of praise for his uh, his. 
Ryan Scott jersey <laughs> that he had on his wall. I, I, I'm wondering if you saw him and was like, well, I've got to show this guy up. Four. <laughs> Four is, is it incre- uh, an incredible effort and a, a testament to um, how passionate you are about this football club. I've got to say, it's a very niche co- uh, collection, Brooke. Luke Giselle, yeah. uh, Ryan Scott, Ike Guadachena. Like, that is. I would like, love to see those three together just, just having a coffee. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, we'll get a ca- <laughs> whack a camera in front of them. That'd be yeah, no, it'd be great. Wherever Ike is, I think he's playing back in Spain now. But anyways, oh, he's doing a good job too. Yeah, he's no, doing really well over there. So good on him. We do miss Ike. But anyways, Brooke, thank you so much for joining us. Um, very exciting stuff for Saturday. You know, hope you'll be in full voice, and the rest of the Western fans will be full voice. And hopefully, in about three days and three hours or so, you guys are singing, you're celebrating out on Spawn Street, and it's going to be a big night out for you guys. So. Uh, fingers crossed you guys are able to go, get over the line. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we're just joined there by Brooke Musket, one of Western United's biggest fans here on the Green Room. Lockie, we are, it's now time for us to leave it. It's time now. We put in the hands of the gods. It's in, it is in it, the it, gods. We, we can't do anything more. We've hyped it up as much we've as possible. We've done all we can. We've spoken to the requisite people. There's only one job for us left to do, Nick. And it's after we've end this, ended this show, after we've played the intro music, is it's just go and settle the nerves of, of Media Man from Western Road. Yeah. Nick Hughes, just give him a big hug, tell him it's all right, you guys have got it, hold your nerve. And that's my message to every Western United fan. Keep calm, carry on, get down in your numbers, in your fine voice this Saturday. And uh, hopefully we're going to be uh, celebrating history. Celebrating history will be. If they do win, remember, this will be their first ever piece of silverware. Lockie, we have to do predictions before we go. Ooh, wow. We have to do a prediction. Who is going to win the grand final on Saturday? And give us a score. Oh. Give us a Joe Master medalist as well. Why not? Let, let, let's go bold. On the green room. Ooh, who am I going to pick for this one? This is tough. Uh, I'm going to say, I, I, look, try not to get too nervous, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to say it's extra time. I'm going to say Western United win 3-2. 3-2. <laughs> <laughs> 3-2 after extra time, and I'm going to go. I have to go Alex Previch. He's, he's been the best player in the finals for me. I mean, maybe Jamie Young's in the conversation as well, but I think Alex Previch is, is Joe Mast, and he gets two of the three goals on the day. As someone who is covering this game, I don't want it to be stressful. That is all I'm asking. 3-2 is not stressful. I don't want extra time. I, I want it to be nice and chilled. But you know what? I said this on a uh, quick plug to TNC. Uh, I said West United were going to win 2-1, and I th- I'm sticking by that. There's, I feel like West United are riding a bit of a perfect storm at the moment, Lockie. Um, you know, the win against Wellington, ending the streak there, coming back against Melbourne victory. It feels like all the dominoes are falling in the right direction. And right now... Who knows what's going to happen on Saturday. But for my Joe Master medalist, I'm going with Lockie Wales in this game. Wow. I get this sense that Lockie Wales has got a big game coming and against his former team as well. So Great point. Make sure you get down. Ticketek, there are still plenty of tickets still available. So make sure you get down. The Western United Active Ending Bay 38 and Bay 39 tickets are still available and will be all the way until Saturday. If you don't manage to get a ticket there, there's still some tickets available on the bottom floor and also there's some top deck seats now available. We've opened the top deck. Yes, they've that's, opened. That's good. They've opened five aisles on the top deck. So if you're not able to get one at the Western United end of the ground, we're looking at 34, 35, 38, 39, 41 and 42. I feel like I'm a ticket agent at the moment. Then make sure you get to any of the other places. But maybe don't go Bay 16 
because base 16 is the Melbourne City active support. Well, this is the other thing I will say. If, if you can't get in the, the two main active supporter base, get alongside them. You can still contribute to that Absolutely. voice. And I, th- I genuinely think that the Western Service crew are a good chance to out-sing their opponents. On the oh, weekend. absolutely. And remember, guys, the history is in Melbourne City's favour. They haven't... Uh, sorry, Western United's favour. They haven't lost in four games against Melbourne City. Yeah. Three wins and a draw in the last game. Was that 2-2 at Amy Park? You know, Western United shot ahead with the two-goal advantage. Melbourne City fought their way back. But this time around, Lockie, we'll wait and see what happens. Really, really exciting stuff to see what happens come Saturday. But it's time for us to say goodbye. It's in the hands of the gods. We'll wait and see what happens on Saturday night. Western United. We'll burn some sage in the studio for you. Melbourne City, A-League Men's Grand Final, this Saturday, live from Amy Park. Get down there. Show your support for the green and black. It's going to be a cracker. So for myself, Nick Tabata, and Lockie Flanagan, and a big thanks to Simmons for sponsoring the show. We'll see you next time. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio.